Hey everyone, and welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. I am Jessica Stevens, and I really appreciate you tuning in every week to listen to our Now What Wednesday stories. Wednesdays have now become my favorite day of the week because that's when we drop new episodes to all of you. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Today on the show... As usual, we have such an amazing guest and her story is just so touching and moving and may or may not bring you to tears. Just saying, there were definitely some moments in this interview in which I was fighting them back. So today's story is I just survived a double transplant, now what, by my friend Liani Chandler. And it's such a touching story. It, she is such a survivor, like tr- like true definition of survivor. And she just shares this beautiful journey and her experience as well as talking about her donors who so givingly, you know, signed up to be organ donors and were able to save her life. So I don't know about any of you, but I have definitely thought about becoming an, an organ donor in the past during like my adult years. I've, I've had a couple of conversations about it, but I've actually never gone ahead and done anything in terms of research of how to sign up or what to do. But after this episode, it is definitely a conversation that I'm having now with the hubs and my family about what it would look like to be an organ donor and getting that process set up. So if you are an organ donor, I just want to acknowledge you and thank you so much for doing that. And for everybody else, just listen to this episode. And at the end, think about what an amazing gift that would be to somebody and see if it's right for you and right for your family to, you know, go through the process of being put on at least the list to potentially be a donor. So that's what I hope you guys take away from today's episode. So without further ado, we're going to talk to the beautiful Liani Chandler. She is like a small town girl from the U.S. who has survived a liver and a kidney transplant. She is totally obsessed with Hotch New Mexico green chili, slightly addicted to books, shoes, hiking, and the Chicago Cubs, which I can totally get on board with the shoes and the books. Maybe not the Chicago Cubs, but we are definitely kindred spirits in the shoe department. So without further ado, let's get to the now what? Have you ever had something happen in your life that you just were not expecting, good or bad, and said out loud or to yourself, I just got laid off, or I just got engaged, maybe I just started a business, or I just bought a house, or maybe I just got my heart broken, or I just quit my soul-sucking job. Now what? Me too, friend, me too. I've had a few actually, and each time it happened, in the moment, I felt like the world around me was collapsing and I didn't know what to do. Eventually, of course, I did figure it out, often the hard way, but I figured it out. And it wasn't until I was sharing some of these stories that I realized they were packed full of great lessons of what to do next, how to move forward, and answer that gut-wrenching and sometimes paralyzing question, now what? So join me as we share some of life's most challenging stories and their transformational lessons on the I Just Blank, Now What? The podcast. So first off, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you very much for the the opportunity. I don't really have the opportunity to talk about my situation very much other than with close friends. So this is really kind of an opportunity and a new experience for me. So thank you very much. 
Oh my goodness. You're welcome. And I'm just so, I, well, I'm excited to hear your story. And, and I know some listeners might be too, because what you've gone through isn't necessarily very common, but something that is becoming, I guess, more common as people are looking into their health. So Liani's story is I just survived a double transplant. Now what? And so I would love for you to kind of unpack a little bit of this story. Let us know how you, you know, ended up in a situation where you needed a double transplant and, and what you got and how you're feeling now that you have this new lease on life, uh, so to speak. <laughs> okay, let's do it. A few years back, I hadn't been feeling very well and I was at work. And when my coworker said, you look awful. And I said, you know, I kind of feel bad. She's like, no, you really look awful. And I thought, well, that is rude. Just rude. She said, I really think you should go home or rest or something. I'm a former workaholic. Actually, I'm still a recovering workaholic anyway. And I told her I was fine. I'm not going to go home. So she ended up calling my, my husband at the time. And, and anyway, he came and got me and he took me to the doctor. And at that point, they rushed me to the hospital. I had blood transfusions. There was obviously something wrong. Mm -hmm. So I went into this huge period of about four months where it was just diagnostic work, blood work, lab work, CAT scans, MRIs, biopsies, the whole thing until they finally landed that on the, you have a liver disease, you have non-alcoholic steatohepatitis, which in the liver world, we just call it NASH. It acts like an alcoholism and it acts like a hepatitis, but it's neither one of those, but the result is cirrhosis of the liver. So my, my liver had been degrading and deteriorating for a couple of years and I didn't even know it. Because you were not an alcoholic, nor did you have hepatitis. So you had no reason to believe that was anything was wrong with that perfectly good organ of yours that you were taking care of, right? That's right. I mean, honestly, I've never had a drink. I'm not a drinker. So it was like when they said, oh yeah, you've got cirrhosis. I said, come again. And yeah. so they explained, you know, this disease and I was stunned. I didn't know what to do. It was scary, frankly. Wow. Okay. So you've been diagnosed with cirrhosis of the liver and what, what is your prognosis? They, they told you you had to have a transplant in order to survive. You know, what yep. were your, Be yeah, because I didn't necessarily know for years it had been deteriorating. They said, you know what, we're going to have to monitor you closely because the only cure for this particular disease is a transplant. And when you hear those words, you think, what? you're going to take an organ out of me. I, I didn't understand what was going on. It was absolutely overwhelming. And so years of being sick and not knowing if I had known before, maybe it would have been different, but still the result I think would have been the same, no cure. Mm -hmm. So you just have to keep moving forward. But so over the course of the next couple of years, I got worse and worse and worse. And then of course I had to have a liver transplant. And honestly, that was an amazing experience in many ways. And when I talk about it, I get a little emotional just because the kindness of the people around you between family and friends, when something horrible, devastating is going on, you see the loved ones that come, they rise up and they assist, they support. And I was overwhelmed by kindness because I did need their help. And that's a whole nother story is that 
we're not really great at receiving help. We're trained to give help, but receiving help for me has not always been easy, but I did need them. And, you know, that experience alone of having people come and rescue you in different ways, it Mm -hmm. was it was an amazing opportunity. It was also very eye-opening on how the body functions. Honestly, we're just tissue and muscle and it's amazing how it works. And it's also amazing how it malfunctions. So I got to learn more about the human body and appreciate it for the magnificent miracle. It really is. It's amazing. Yeah. And, and how quickly a, the body can deteriorate, but also how quickly it can heal itself. Yes. Right? Yeah. And even with you, you know, my body was trying to compensate for the liver failing. So it was amazing to go, oh my goodness, the body does that on its own, but it, it couldn't function without the liver. But it was, it was fun to see how the body was actually trying to recuperate. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to go into a lot of technical stuff, but yeah, the body does try to heal itself. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So you're now on the transplant list for a new liver. Yep. And so, you know, I actually had to wait nine years to be sick enough to be put on the transplant list. When you get a transplant, they have to prioritize. So the people that are the sickest get the transplant and there's what they call a MELD score, M-E-L-D, that's measurement of end of liver disease. So that's a measurement on how close to death you are. And so the higher your number, the quicker you're going to get a transplant. So I was actually pretty stable and low for a number of years. And then um, I was finally put on the transplant list. And then I had to wait two years. The wait. Oh my gosh, Jessica, that is the worst. No one tells you what a roller coaster that is going to be. A true lesson in patience, right? Oh, yes. And what typically happens is you will get what they call an offer call saying we have a liver and you're either the primary or you could be a backup. So they know that you're a blood match and they know that you're a tissue match. However, they don't know the size of the liver of the donor until they actually go in to retrieve it. So I actually got 11 of those phone calls to say, Hey, come on in. And that (laughs) is a roller coaster. You get your hopes up with every call that this is the time that you're going to get your liver or whatever body organ you're going to get. And most people get it within the first three. Okay. Not me. 11, 11 times. So number 11, lucky 11 is my number. Yep. So 11 calls over the course of two years. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, you know, it was pack your bags, stop eating, come into the hospital. There were a couple of times that I actually was all hooked up, had pre-op the whole thing. Everything was ready to go. And both times it was like, I'm sorry, it's the wrong size because matching up the size matters. And I'm fairly short. I'm only five one. I have learned since that my donor was five, two. Okay. That was, she was finally the right size, right size. Oh my goodness. Wow. Okay. So you get your new liver from your beautiful donor and you start feeling better. 
I started feeling better immediately. When you have liver disease, there's a lot of toxins in your system because the liver's not doing its job filtering. Mm -hmm. So what happens is you actually have cognitive function issues because the toxins are messing with your, uh, your brain power. So I was foggy for, for a long time. Honestly, the day that I woke up and was coherent after the transplant, oh my gosh, it was like my, my brain was on fire. It was like, everything was so clear and so wonderful. I'm like, I can think again and everything just feels normal. Yeah. It was like, I felt great immediately. All your cylinders were like firing, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So I oh, knew wow. that the liver was doing its job. Absolutely. The, there's stick. There's abdominal pain, obviously, but the mental and just knowing that, Hey, I'm on the road to recovery and I'm going to be better. That's fantastic. And I remember kind of watching, you know, you online during that time when you were getting the liver and the prep and all that stuff. And we were just like, all so excited and we're like praying for you. Like, this is the time, (laughs) this is the one. So we were so excited that, you know, you actually got number 11 and that it was all good. And then I do remember seeing you post like post-op videos of yourself and you were still sedated and you were like (laughs) going through your thing, which was really fun to watch. But I'm so glad that like you actually had what felt like instant relief. It was really amazing. And then that was kind of short-lived, right? Because shortly following the amazing (laughs) news about your liver, you kind of got some more news. So let's talk about your second transplant here. What happened next? Well, you know, the liver and the kidneys, they function together to filter out everything that is bad in your system. My bad liver started and, you know, I knew that it had, my kidneys had taken a hit, but after the surgery, they said, okay, we're watching your kidneys. They're not really recovering that fast, but this typically happens after a large surgery, Mm -hmm. you know? And my surgeon just kept calling the kidneys, you know, they're princesses, they're high maintenance, they'll they'll come back soon. And well, they didn't, and they didn't, and then they shut down. And so I was in kidney failure. I was in stage five renal failure, and I was put on the next transplant list four months after I had my liver transplant. So yeah, it was short-lived. Well, at least it wasn't, you know, two plus years and 11 calls later, right? Like this one actually happened much faster for you. Yes. This one was much faster. The the deal though, with the second, if you have received a, a transplant, if you need another transplant, they actually have a little loophole. They've invested so much in, you know, time and money and making certain you have a working organ. They're not interested in seeing it actually die because you're sick again. Mm -hmm. So I got put on the top priority list. So I only waited about six months on that list. And then I, it was the first call. So it was kind of like the organ transplant fast pass. It was, it was, but you know, part of me felt guilty about that because I know that there, I waited so long to be on the list for the liver and I waited so long to get Um, my transplant. And I just thought, oh gosh, I've just knocked somebody who's really sick off the list. And, you know, um, I was happy, but I was also like, dag nabbit, my, you know, my blessing is somebody else's unfortunate circumstance. So, so there was a little bit of guilt that was a little bit tainting the moment. Okay. So you now have 
your liver transplant and then your kidney transplant. And how long have you been in a quote unquote full bill of health? (laughs) Actually, I just passed a year with the kidney and I had a couple of hiccups after that. So it's been really probably the last four months. So it was about eight months after my kidney transplant that I started to just feel alive again. And gosh, recovery takes so long after these big surgeries. And it's been two years of two major surgeries. So it's just nice to actually feel amazing and to be healthy and to go outside and do things again and be with friends. It's been life altering in, in reality. Yeah, absolutely. And then would you be considered like high risk as we were facing this whole COVID, you know, year, like being an organ transplant, you know, receiver, you know, would they consider you high risk for make sure that you didn't want to get you sick with anything at this point, right? Yes, absolutely. As a matter of fact, after any transplant, every transplant patient goes on anti-rejection meds and we're on those for the rest of our lives. It's not just a couple of months after, but the anti-rejection meds make certain that our own bodies don't start to attack the new organs. So that actually shuts down our immune system completely. And so once you actually have a transplant, you are supposed to be away, you quarantine away from people. So actually I'm just now probably in the last two months going out. So I've been in quarantine since August of 2019, which is a little bit longer than most people, Mm -hmm. but yes, I still have to be careful. I go out into public, but I have to wear a mask Mm -hmm. all the time. Now it's not optional for me anymore. Well, which is challenging for sure. But at the same time, I'm sure you're still grateful that you can even just go out and be with the people. And so wearing the mask is like, I'll take a mask, right? I will take the mask. I will take the big scars that I have. I will take all of it because I'm alive and I'm well, and I am grateful beyond words for two individuals. I will never know that I will never have the opportunity to meet. They're everyday people, just like me and you, Mm -hmm. who made a decision at some point to become a donor. And in a moment, in the darkest hours of a family's life, as they're saying goodbye to their loved ones, they uphold and sustain the decision of the donor. And I'm grateful that that, those two people, you know, to me, they're overnight, they became superheroes. Mm -hmm. They are saviors in every sense of the word. I wouldn't be talking to you today if it wasn't for both of them. Absolutely. So, you know, you've just survived two double transplants. Now what? What's the plan for you? What what are you excited about now that you actually truly do have a new lease on life, right? Like a total second chance to live some good stuff. What, what, What do you got going on? When I saw your podcast in the title, and then when we were talking about it, I'm like, this is exactly the question that I've been asking myself is now what, what do I do before my transplant? I was a corporate girl living in Chicago, working hard, traveling everywhere for work and working a lot anyway. And I think that what motivated me back then was accomplishment was making certain that I could continue to do better and maybe get promotions and all of those things. 
after transplant, I can tell you my motivation is very different. So my focus on life is different. I am looking for work again, but I, I don't want to go back into the corporate world. Mm-hmm. I want to use my skill sets, but I'd love to use that with a nonprofit organization that actually gives back to individuals or communities. I really feel strongly that my life now needs to be focused on giving back. And so that's what I'm trying to work on. I actually had a a job interview this morning, which I was actually, it was my first job interview since the last couple of years, since I've been out of the workforce, because you can't go. (laughs) Yay. I was like so excited and the interview went really well. And so they asked me back for another interview. So we'll see what happens. Yay. Congratulations. That's a (laughs) huge step for someone who's been out of the workforce for as long as you have and shifting industries and shifting, you know, what you do. So keep us posted. Let us know how that goes. I, I will. I'm really for you. So so great. I'm so happy to hear that you're really excited about you know getting back to work, but in a different capacity and in a different pace, so that you can honor this body of yours that has these two beautiful gifts, and to maybe kind of keep your stress levels down. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, function at a little bit more human pace than you used to as that crazy workaholic. So talk to me a little bit about some of the other things that you're really excited to do now with, you know, purpose. Yes. You know, a couple of things. I haven't been able to spend time with friends and family simply because of the quarantine and being away. So right now I have been spending time with family and friends and it is glorious. I have loved just wrapping my arms around people and saying, I've missed you guys. You know, where have you been? We've been in communication this whole time, but I haven't seen them face to face and it's been amazing. So, you know, I think that the world now understands that COVID impact on our lives, but you know, I, I haven't seen people since 2019, really. So this has been just enjoyable for me. A couple of other things, you know, I, I lived in Chicago and worked in Chicago for years and years, but growing up, I, I grew up in a small valley in New Mexico and I loved to hike. We, there are mountains all around us. I came to school in Utah where we live at the base of the Rocky Mountains. And so one of the things that I finally am doing again is I'm finally hiking. And as a matter of fact, this weekend, I'm going up to Yellowstone to camp. Can I just tell you, I'm completely out of shape, but (laughs) I don't care. I'm going to go out there. And if I have to stop and take breaks, I don't care. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be out in nature and I'm going to enjoy life again. Oh oh my gosh, you just make me so happy to hear that. So no more cubicle life for you. Lots of nature, lots of fun, and lots of people that you've missed over the last couple of years because of this. Yep. So inspired. So tell me a little bit about the experience that you had an opportunity to have with the family of your donor. Cause I know that that's not something that most people actually get to experience. Normally the donors are anonymous or they, you know, they have no way of contacting, but you were actually lucky enough to find out who your donor's family was. So talk to me a little bit about that. 
Absolutely. Now, I actually know that in different countries, the rules are different. So I don't know what it's like in Canada, but in the United States, typically what they have is you have the recipient and you have the donor and their family. And basically they had me wait a year. The year is really so that the family can grieve and that Mm -hmm. they can understand their loss. And we are allowed after a year to actually write them a letter. But the letter doesn't go directly to them because everybody is anonymous. There is a third party group typically associated with every hospital in the United States. Those letters go to that third party. That third party reviews the letters and they review the letters for private information so that you don't give up too much information because you don't know how it's going to be received by the family. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I couldn't include my last name. I couldn't give them my address or phone number, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So I sent it and I waited a couple of months and I was praying and hoping that they would write back. And my donor's mom, my donor's name is Melissa and her mom wrote me back. I cried buckets and buckets of tears. And I, in my letter, I had expressed my gratitude. Mm -hmm. I had told them a little bit about me. And then I had the request of, would you please tell me everything about your loved one? I just want to know. Mm -hmm. And she delivered, she was beautiful and eloquent in her letter. It was one of the most touching letters I've ever read. And it actually started out with, we're so happy to know that our daughter saved somebody. And she talked to me about her quirks, her hobbies, some of her personality traits. She shared some of the stories from her life and it was amazing. So I wrote her back and then she wrote me back. And then I got a call from this third party. And in in Utah, the group is called Donor Connect. And they actually called and said, we have a request from your donor family. They're wanting to know if you would mind a phone call. And I said, of course, I would love to talk to her. Yes. 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 And so they actually set up a call between the two of us and they were on the call with us. And we actually got coached before because, you know, they're still going through grief and they were Liani be aware of, you know, the grief and make certain you're not asking too many personal questions unless they want to offer it up on their own. And, Mm -hmm. and she got, you know, coached and, you know, not everyone's that grateful. So make certain that (laughs) your expectations aren't too high. I'm not that person. I am so grateful anyway. So we had the most tearful, joyful call. It was absolutely heart wrenching and wonderful at the same time. Mm -hmm. I learned about things that she, that Melissa loved to do. I learned about how she grew up. I learned about what happened to her. She had gone to work one day and she collapsed and They took her to the hospital. The hospital that she was at is in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, here in the United States. And and that hospital was too small, so they transferred her to a different hospital. Anyway, she had a brain aneurysm, and she never came out of it. And so she told me everything that she was feeling about her daughter at the time. And you know what? It's made me realize how much every day I want to honor her daughter, Melissa. I need to honor her daughter. 
I no longer live for myself. I live for two other people. And I want to make certain that I never forget their gift, best gifts I've ever received in my whole life. I want to make certain that I am cognizant and recognize their families and always honor their families as their loss was somehow my gain. Oh my goodness. That is so beautiful. And I hope for everybody listening who is like, you know, probably (laughs) crying like the two of us here, you know, start thinking about becoming a donor. All it is, you know, some point they just said, I, I'm not going to need my body parts or tissue or my eyes, whatever it is when I leave this earth. And honestly, that one decision can change up to eight lives. One donor, my donor saved other people too. Mm. She donated her kidneys and her heart and there are other people. So she didn't just save me. Oh, so, so beautiful. So, so beautiful choose to be a donor. <laughs> yes, definitely something I, I hope more people think about and consider seriously because there are so many people who are in need of organs and biology and, and, you know, organisms that we unfortunately are not in a position to yet to make in a lab, right? They, they can only come from, from each of us. I think it'd be the ultimate gift. As you just said, it is the ultimate gift. So yeah, I hope that, I hope your story has inspired a few people to think about becoming a donor and also acknowledging that, you know, one day, out of the blue, they could also need to become a recipient because you just never know because you were living, you know, other than a little bit of high stress at work, a fairly really healthy life. You didn't drink, you didn't do anything. And all of a sudden here you are in a position where you need two organs to save your life. So it really just paints a picture for us of how delicate life is. It is very delicate. And, you know, I, I look at my life now and I never imagined in my life that I'd get sick. I'd never imagined in my life that I would need a transplant. And I definitely never thought I would need another. Mm -hmm. So you just never know. I mean, those childhood dreams of what your life will be, they don't always transpire. And so, you know, as adults, our gift and our, our challenge in life is to maneuver and adjust as life comes to us so that we can deal with it in the best way. And for me, these are two large challenges I never saw coming my way. But I can tell you that I have been happy throughout this entire time. I'm grateful that I had a great medical team. I'm grateful that I had family and friends who supported me. I am eternally grateful for two special people who saved my life. And I'm grateful for doctors who studied and learned how to save lives. I mean, all I can see along this whole path is gratitude. And I'm in awe of everyone and the things that are being done to save lives. And during COVID, you know, I had the second transplant during COVID. So I didn't get to have as many visitors (laughs) that go around, but I was in there and I recognized that you know, there's a huge staff here taking care of people who are very sick. And I thought they're, they're risking their lives every day to come and save. There's something wonderful and reverent about those who serve 
and try to save others' lives. And I recognize that. I'm humbled by it. Beautiful. Do you have anything else that you want to share with our audience about your experience or what the future holds for you? What would you, what would be your three things that you want to take away from this experience that you just really want people to know about? I guess, you know, I'll share the two top things. I might come up with a third, but the two top things that I have learned is that throughout challenges in life, we get to decide how we're going to handle it. And are we going to be happy? Are we going to be able to notice the goodness, the great things that are happening while we're going through these trials? It really is up to us to decide. And, you know, we get to decide, am I going to battle this as hard as I can and be a warrior? Or am I going to retreat and not know how to deal? Well, I was all for the battle side, man. I am battle ready through and through. And then the other thing is just going back to the donors. One decision can save multiple lives, even if it's donating blood, whatever it is, there are people that are in need. So really consider that as an option. And probably the other thing is that whatever trials you're going through, you're going to get through them. And there is a life on the other side. And I'm in the discovery mode of what my new life is going to be like. I'm not a spring chick anymore. But you know what? It doesn't matter how old you are or how the trials that you've gone through, you get to decide where you're going to go. And I am thoroughly excited about where my life is taking me. I don't know where it's going. I don't. I don't care. I'm ready for the ride. Wonderful. Yeah, that is such a great message to share on your and have this, as I said, new lease on life. And I just can't wait to see what you do and watch you honor those two beautiful souls who, who helped you live extra, extra long. And I know you're going to do some amazing things with it, even though you don't know what it is yet. And I think <laughs> that's going to be part of the adventure too. And, and part of this show has, is always just inspiring people to wake up and just figure it out and just, you know, go no matter what is, what happens, you know, it could be good. It could be bad. It's just, what are you going to do next? And so I'm so grateful for you to come on the show and share your story with everyone. I think you've touched a lot of people with it and hopefully inspired a few to go and sign the back of that donor card and their driver's license so that they can save a life one day. And also think about, you know, what are they going to do from today forward and how would they honor the body that they have been born with in, in a really great way so that it can stay healthy and potentially be a gift to somebody else. Health is everything. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank I you. wish I could give you a big squeeze, but I know that one day, one day we will, our paths will cross in, in real life and I'll be able to do that. So until then I will keep watching you on social media and okay. I just love seeing your beautiful smile. I love all your, you know, you and I have a, a, a shared passion for shoes. <laughs> we do. We do. Um, I'm so nuts about them. I, I, so I always, see some of my racks behind I, me. I can see some of them there. So I always love seeing your shoe posts and your photo shoots. And I can't wait to see some of your hiking, hiking adventures across the United States. And whenever I see anything that has to do with the Cubs, I automatically think of you. <laughs> <laughs> I am so much a Cubs fan. I'm telling you. 
Yeah. <laughs> Even though you're no longer in Chicago, no, you know, you can take the I girl out of Chicago, true. but you, you know, I remain true. Marrying you. Awesome. All right. Well, you have a beautiful day. Thank Good you. luck. I hope they call you back for that uh, another interview and you get that job that you are looking to use as a way to live a purpose-filled life. And it's just so great to see you. Thank you, Jessica. Appreciate everything. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it more than I can say. Did you love this episode of I Just Blank? Now what? If you did, be sure to subscribe on your fave podcast platform. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. I do love reading them. And if you know somebody who's experiencing this story or something similar, please share this episode with them. It just might help them figure out the answers to their own now what questions. Have you recently had a now what moment and aren't sure what to do? Reach out to me at jessicastevens.ca and submit your story and I'll help you figure out what to do, how to move forward and help you answer now what. See you on the next episode.